This is Daniel Figella of Emerge AI Research, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. There's a lot of exciting topics from the AI strategy vantage point. A lot of our work is in AI strategy, both with enterprises and at Emerge Plus. And there's a whole art and science around how we get started with AI in an enterprise company. There's a lot of ways to start small that are wrong, but there's some ways to start small with the bigger picture in mind in a way that's mature, in a way that's going to ultimately lead to bigger value and not lead to many of the early flops that we hear about in enterprise firms today. Our guest this week is Per Nyberg. Per is Chief Commercial Officer at Strategy AI. He was previously on the show, I forget if it was two years ago or something like that now, when he was a VP of AI at Cray Incorporated. Many of you will have heard of a Cray supercomputer. That hardware company does still exist. Uh, He was with them up in Montreal when he was on the show last, and he's with Strategy now. We speak this week about what Pear is seeing in the market in terms of AI adoption. What's going well? What's not going well? What are the trends and patterns that he's seeing across industries through his work at Strategy? We'll also talk a little bit about building AI maturity and AI fluency. How can early projects help us kind of bridge the gap between data and value? We touch on that a good deal. And then we wrap things up with the art of starting small. What's important to bear in mind? What are the important ways to take action and how can companies get the ball rolling in a relatively modest way that can actually lead to bigger value as opposed to silly toy projects, which if you've been a listener for a long time, you know that we're not a fan of those. This episode is brought to you by Strategy AI. If you're interested in reaching the Emerge audience, whether on our website, our broad email newsletter, or our very popular podcast here, you can go to emerj.com slash ad one that's ad like advertise and then one like the number one emerj.com slash ad one you can learn more about reaching our audience here without further ado let's hop into this exciting conversation with per nyberg of strategy ai here on the ai and business podcast So, Pear, I know today we're going to be talking about sort of artificial intelligence adoption in the enterprise, ways of getting started and thinking about that process in a smart way. I want to maybe start at a higher level and just get some of your ideas about observations that you see today about adoption with AI. You folks are working with a lot of large firms. What are trends that stand out that you think other leaders could learn from? So, absolutely. Look, I, I think that AI, given where it is and its adoption, I think you see a number of trends. Sometimes they, they're a little bit conflicting, but certainly there's no doubt that AI is increasing in usage, yep. right? I think more and more companies are, are looking at it, more and more companies are actually doing something with it. On the other side, you still you know read those statistics where companies are struggling to get it into production, yes. right? So while on the one hand, you can look at this and say that they're, they're somewhat orthogonal to each other, I mean, I, I think it makes sense as well. I think it just reflects where the industry is. And, and sometimes it's you have to dig a little bit deeper as well to understand the sort of challenges that companies are facing, right? We're big believers in you know small wins and getting started. And, and so just because a project hasn't reached production, that does not mean they're not getting value from it. But certainly, I think it's fair to say that... Uh, you know, again, it's increasing across the board. Uh, one of the terms you hear a lot in terms of a trend is around democratization. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- this this is obviously very important. Again, we we firmly believe that you know AI is 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 a transformative technology, but we also believe that uh, you know for AI to really reach its full potential, it needs to get in the hands of more people. 
And today, it's that you can't say that it is. It still tends to be the the super technical people, data scientists yep. that are are the ones that can kind of enjoy it, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and certainly, I think there's a number of companies obviously working on that. It's it's tough if this stuff stays a purely wizard skill for it to really become something that can be part of the the living, breathing process of an enterprise. So it's clearly an important hurdle to overcome. You brought up an important point though about how you know deployment is often challenging for enterprise of course there's a lot more activity there's a lot more action you know it gives gives us certainly more work to do here at emerge on the market research side but not everything makes it into production but that that's not to say that companies aren't necessarily still benefiting from that i would actually concur i mean i, I always would would tell a company we should shoot for something that potentially can roll its way into a deployment but i would i would agree that there's a lot of value in some of those early projects even outside of that. What did you mean by that when you talked about, you know, some of these early efforts, maybe they don't become a big part of the customer facing business, but companies can still benefit. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, I think one important point though, is, is when they start an effort, you know, I, I think it's, it's critical that you have a sort of a business value or a use case well articulated. Yeah. Right. So, so it isn't just a computer science project. And with that as a starting point, a lot of companies learn a lot about themselves. They learn a lot about their data, yes. right? Uh, in a lot of cases, we've seen companies will start, they, they, they have a clear use case in mind. They think they have the right data, if you will. But in the process of, of building models and looking at what features are most important for, I don't know, say, let's say customer churn, for example, they realize that, oh, this isn't something we're collecting all the time. Yes, yes. And then we actually need to almost pause the project to some degree to go collect the data and restart. But that's just a simple example of some value that you see in terms of really understanding your business drivers. And those business drivers are ultimately reflected in the data. 100%. We, we talk about AI ROI here along three strata. There's your kind of measurable ROI, which is often financial, but could be customer service scores or something. There's your strategic ROI. Can we make the valid case that this is bringing us closer to what we want to become, to whether it's our digital transformation vision or three to five year goals or whatever. So maybe in the churn case, it's, you know, higher loyalty is a strategic goal. We, we might say if we learn about our data uh, and we actually are able to, to tweak our, you know, our approach even a little bit, even strategically, that, that that's inching us closer there and we can validate that. But you're bringing up the, the third, which is capability ROI. That is to say, are we building the internal fluency of both our skills, our like cross-functional communication and the understanding of our own assets that we can then unlock and use moving forward? I think a lot of enterprises neglect the value of that. It's not that we want to go into these sandboxes just to learn and say, trust me, boss, we we want to learn and have fun. It's like, no, we are going to strive towards a goal, but there's so much juice there. How do you advise companies to think more intelligently about retaining those learnings that you and I are on the same page are part of the darn value of those early projects? Yeah. So, so great question. Um, let's try to piece that apart a little bit. Sure. So, so just maybe starting with the skill side, because uh, I, I do believe that that's, that's a really important area. I mean, I, I think when you think of AI, fundamentally, it is at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, supporting better decision making, right? And, and, and in, in today's context, where there's so much, you know, the hunt for good talent, for example, in organizations, uh, this, this is uh, an aspect of that. And, and we see sort of, a, you know, a new business analyst emerging over the next few years that are much more data knowledgeable, data literate, data savvy. Yep. And, you know, data driven decision making is just part of what they do every single day. But but in terms of, you know, there, there are no two companies that are alike, right? And so, you know, we really do try as much as possible to take a structured approach 
and a, a structured process to sort of tease out those areas where, where value can be found. And, and in some cases, it is the value in the doing, understanding the data that they have. Uh, in other cases, they really are very much driven by the ROI. So you need to be able to adapt your approach to the specific circumstances of companies. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I um, mean, you're talking a little bit, you're kind of leading us into uh, where we're going next here around connecting the, the dots between data and action, which is often a really big part about connecting the dots between, you know, AI and ROI. You mentioned sort of this emergence of analysts who are just more data savvy or able to kind of operate at a bit of a higher level. How do you like to think about, you know, advice for companies just getting started with this, closing that gap, you know, starting to become more data to action oriented and then inching their way closer to being able to be to be AI enabled? Yeah, so so I, I think some of it starts with just placing the right tools in the hands of your existing teams, right? So so there's this notion of make your current teams better. So I, I think it's it's you know easy to say that we want our, our analysts to better understand our data. But the reality is that they're just faced with just an overwhelming amount of complexity in the data and sizes that they, they can't do it on their own, right? So, so I think that, that there is, this does speak to the need of a tool, right? You need that tool to be able to be used by these very people that are not technical as such to begin with, right? And that sort of ch starts this, this chain of thought, if you will, that leads to you know, this notion of platforms, which are, you know, very sophisticated in machine learning and technology, but enable, you know, a data, uh, sort of a data literate, data knowledgeable business analyst to be able to, you know, look at their businesses, look at their data, start to build models and start to gain that, that snowball effect of understanding. So, so that's kind of one, one piece of how to get started. But going back to what I was saying before, a lot of it is actually around the use case. That that's always the best place to start is, is sort of you know define something concrete and then begin that exploration. Yeah, and being able to do proper project scoping and selection is an, an art and a science unto itself. And different companies are going to have to start in different places. But I, I would I would concur a hundredfold there. In terms of the you know the idea around platforms, I don't have a dog in the fight the same way that you guys do in actually being you know building one here. But I think part of the case for platforms is that it's somewhat unlikely that our analysts enterprise-wide are going to level themselves up in terms of data, data fluency, AI fluency, and understanding of, of these kind of applications inside of a hundred bespoke different point solutions in different dark corners of the business. It's unlikely we're going to have a shared language and a way of informing decisions if, if it operates that way. I think that part of the argument for a platform, among many others, is that there will be a way for us to, to start to inch towards, you know, a, a more data-oriented approach with, with sort of a, a shared interface and a shared way to, to share projects, data, algorithms, et cetera. What's been important for you folks in building a tool? You know, I mean, having run this show for whatever it is, eight years now, I think the golden dream of everybody, of course, is something where it's like, oh, you don't have to have a PhD to use it. We're starting to get closer to that. But what, what for you have been some of the most important points bearing that user in mind to actually deliver on that promise, because it's it's one that I think is um, is much harder than than our listeners probably assume. Yeah, so so I think some of it begins with where we began. Right, we we first started doing custom projects. So you know, client would have some particular need, and we would build it from scratch. And this was a number of years ago. This was before you know, kind of the AI hype, if you will. So, yeah. so we we've been in this a while. So so we very much learned by doing. Um, and it was in that process that, that we discovered that one, it wasn't repeatable, 
Two, the types of people you need in order to build these bespoke solutions were just getting harder and harder to find and, and quite frankly, more expensive. Yep. And, and so that's, again, no surprise. That's where the notion of a platform came out, right? And, you know, the, the platform, I mean, obviously, this is a you know uh, an approach that a number of industries have, have adopted. And, you know, just to make one thing clear, it's not that we're saying it's it's only the platform way. You know, it's not one or the other. There are absolutely use cases that that really do deserve to be built from scratch. Totally. I think, yeah. I think our argument is that that's not every use case. And for yep. companies who who can't even start because they can't get the the people to build these systems from scratch, that's not an option for them, yep. right? Their businesses are quite frankly at stake, and they need to get started. Even the companies that have these very specialist teams. Even there, often the use cases that they're pointed towards is a small subset of the number of use cases. Yeah, yeah. And so the you know the marketing department or supply chain department or whoever it might be, they're kind of being left behind, even in these large organizations. So yeah. so it's certainly not one or the other. Yeah. But again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. At the end of the day, in order for for AI to really fulfill its promise, you need to put it in the hands of more people. Yeah, yeah. And, and clearly, this is in part a technology problem. You guys are working on that. And it, it's interesting how many services firms we see working into. We call it kind of projects to products transition. You see yeah. Fractal spinning off stuff. They've been on the show. Alta is up there in Edmonton or wherever the heck they are and you know, doing their, their spinoff aspirations. After about 30 people in AI consultancy just sort of ubiquitously decides we need to be a product company. It's like a, a very yeah. curious uh, caterpillar butterfly thing that we're, we're observing right now. But yeah, clearly that hands-on experience would help you guys, you know, mold the tech. But of course, your hands-on experience would also probably have shown you how much of this just has to be informing these teams. Because you just brought up a great problem, which I think the listeners should should have an exclamation point put on top of, which is you can have your fistful of PhDs from the best schools, but the way we talk about it is connective tissue. Who is engaging with them and providing them access to what they need? Does IT support them or care about them? And do the subject matter experts and leaders in the different departments even know how to communicate what might be an AI applicable problem? A lot of the time, these people are, are you know, sitting there without much context on the business. And the business just says, man, I'd love to recommend some stuff. Now, it's about as close to, to like a what can we do with AI as, as they can say to these people that are getting paid, you know, gobs of, of, of money every year to, to sit there. So there's the education bit. You, you're working on the tech. But to make people connect, to get it in the hands of more people, we need the tool to be more accessible and we need people to understand the osmosis required to make this cultural shift. Are there any keys there in making that idea click? Because I feel like far too many enterprises still don't get that that cultural educative element is, is uh, critical here. So, so key off a of one word user, cultural. I remember there was a couple of years ago, I read a report saying that culture was one of the biggest inhibitors to AI adoption. And I think that's very true, Yeah. right? I'm going to kind of put that aside for a second. I, I think when we work with companies and when you first start, I mentioned kind of our, our engagement process. And yes, it's very kind of, you know, use case oriented and you talk about data, but, but there is a major human element to it as well that, that needs to be discussed up front. And it's, well, how are you going to use this? How are you going to consume this? Who are your internal stakeholders that you need to work with in order to, you know, again, drive better decision making? So, so I think that that is a very big piece of, of, of our approach is to not, it's not just a technology data thing. It, there, there is that human side of it. Because again, at the end of the day, all we're doing is providing a tool that they can make better decisions with. 
And that's a very human thing, right? And so, so I think that, you know, I, I agree entirely with you in terms of having to look at it from all those different dimensions, technology and, you know, the individual, the role, because only if you look at all of those, you know, will you be able to sort of identify which bridges need to be built, if you will, in yeah. order to get them to where they need to go. Yeah, yeah. What facets of AI maturity or readiness need to be developed here? You know, maybe maybe we're doing great with data storage in some areas and, and you know, harmonization and order, but really not so well in others. Maybe we're doing great with a culture of innovation some places, but not in others. So, of course, you guys have to, you know, you, you bring the tool to the table, but also have to figure out where do we stand culturally and skills wise and, and what pieces do we need to tweak to make this work for, for you? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, you know, again, one of the sort of human aspects of this and is, is kind of what, how you define success. And yes, I mean, there might be some cases where you can mathematically calculate the ROI, but, but there's still some, some, some perception around there around success. And that, that's important ultimately for, to get the sign off on the long-term investments that are required around AI. You know, you can start with a, with a sort of a small win, if you will, yeah. but at the end of the day, to get the broader adoption, it, it does require an enterprise to be looking at this more holistically 100%. and long term. Yeah, yeah. There are, you know, if you sell a single point solution for one kind of document search and discovery thing in legal, you don't actually have to sell the benefit of AI maturity because, in fact, in an ideal world, you don't have to build a lick of it. You, you jack the thing in with whatever APIs you need, but you do whatever kind of initial training you need to do, and then hopefully you leave those folks alone and you get to collect a bill every year and they get to value the software. But when you're selling a platform, the only way folks are going to use more seats and the only way that they're going to get the most value out of it is if they actually build the maturity to enable it and unlock it. So platforms are one of the, the AI product categories that actually require maturity encouragement as part of the sale, part of the, the retention, part of the, the value for the customer and, and, and the, the onus of, of the vendor uh, in your case. And so you're leading us into a place that I think is going to be really exciting, which is starting small, uh, but working towards those bigger wins. Man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, this done wrong, Perry. You know, folks use the term quick win often to paint themselves into really obscure corners or create toy projects or create something that they think will be measurable in some strange, obscure way, but doesn't actually build towards that bigger vision we talked about that a company needs to, to buy into. What's the right way to think about those smaller projects while also bearing in mind what we're rolling it into, bearing in mind the larger transformation we want to work towards? Because this, this is a tough one for a lot of people. Absolutely. I, I think so. there's, there's a few, few kind of dimensions to that. What, what one is, one is to just get started. I mean, there's certainly companies that are just, they're, they're almost paralyzed by it. So, so there's, there's value in just getting started. Uh, as we spoke earlier, that, that experience, there's a tremendous amount of value in the doing. Part of it is right-sizing it as well, because the other thing you can do is, is design the aircraft carrier and it's going to take forever to build. And it's just, you know, part of the, the issue is that companies are moving so fast that, that you know, the, the, the design process of your AI project is longer than the sort of business rhythm, you're no further ahead either. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you got to right size it that way. But I, I think what I would do is, is even think of it from the perspective of like confidence, right? So again, if we're, if we're providing a tool for companies to make better decisions, you can sort of look at this as well. It's like, okay, so what is what are the small steps that we can take in order to make a better decision? And it might be just, okay, we get 5% better here. And you right size it around that and, and, and you measure it. You absolutely measure it. But you start to incrementally take those steps to be able to get to ultimately where you want to go. 
and build the confidence as an organization, build confidence as a team and an individual uh, of what it'll take in order to move forward and to be able to really understand how the culture, going back to that word, of decision-making can improve over time as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe there's a couple other things we could just kind of pry open to get as much value for the listeners of, of these these starting small uh, projects. You know, one of them is around that that cultural bit. So let's say, you know, we pick an initial project and we're working with some retail bank and um, where they have priority and where, you know, we, we kind of believe maybe there's some level of fit might be around payment fraud. I'm just throwing something random at you here. Something that's reasonably accessible and somewhat trotted out as a use case, not, not, not like a super far out rocket science stuff. So, you know, maybe that's where they land and they want to, they want to improve or, you know, decrease their false positives and false negatives on payment fraud and, and aggregately just reduce the amount of fraud that, that they have to endure in a given quarter. Um, and, and they have some kind of reasonable objective based on what these technologies have done in the past. Part of the, the work here, as you mentioned, is settling in on the skills and culture as we move forward with the project. So cool. We, we get rolling. We got a little bit of momentum. Thank goodness. Some companies, you know, they'll take them forever to build anything, but Hey, we're, we're doing something now. What does it look like to then pull that team together, make sure, you know, cause in some part your role here, again, if you run a, if you run a point solution, you don't have this problem. If you're a platform company, this is in your court is you got to encourage maturity. So now, now they're rolling forward with this, with this initial use case. How do you pull in the right people to the room, get them involved together and sharing that osmosis with the project so that yes, we can make that progress that way. But we can also level up those skills in that context of what is this stuff? What is the value of our data? How can we work together? What will our data scientists do? What will our subject matter experts do? All those elements that, you know, as you're, you're articulating here are so critical. Man, how do you, how do you pull that together when, when your, your beachhead is the use case? What do you do after that? Yeah, so it's so a good question. So, so let me start sort of at the beginning of the process. Sure, and sure. then that's where you first start getting a lot of stakeholder input and participation. Right. And, and again, every company is obviously different, course, right? That, that village could be large or small, depending on the company. Yeah. In some cases, you know, we've worked with two or three people. They have, let's say, ownership over supply chain, let's say. Right. So it just varies in size. But that, that's, that doesn't really matter. But it always starts with kind of this ideation workshop, as we call it. Right. And that's really where you bring in these stakeholders. Typically, they're business users that are there. The ones who are going to use this at the end of the day have some notion of the value they're trying to extract. It brings in some of the IT people, typically some of the, the, the people who are uh, managing things like data lakes where the data resides. It could be in a CRM. And, and you start at that point to bring those individuals together, identify the use case, identify what data is required to support the use case. And that's where it kicks off. Right. And so that's how we start. Right. And then it's really about, OK, so now we're going to get you know, get uh, very tangible, if you will, in terms of what AI can do for them, for their use case with their data. And, and so it's really about showing them the results and, and the speed with which they can get to building a model and interpreting the results. Yeah. Right. So fast forwarding a little bit, one of those steps is to show them what the model is telling them with their data. And it's at that point they really start to be able to to peer into their own data and, and sort of what we talked about earlier you know, what, what, what is the data telling them about their own business, right? And that's often where you see the, the kind of lights go off and it's like, oh, this is really interesting, right? And, and there you see also different areas of the business sort of key in as well. And then at that point on, I mean, they, they, you basically start moving into actually using the, uh, the use case, using the, the, the model in day-to-day -day operations. And, and again, that's the, the learning by doing, yeah. right? 
And then after that, it really depends often by company, right? So in some cases, it takes several months to sort of, you know, get them up and running in terms of integration with their other systems. But they're starting to see sort of insights and value almost from day one. Yeah, well, and that's a, that's a bold claim there. But I think the general idea for listeners here that's really important, and obviously you folks have thought through the process because you did a lot of hands-on work before you were even a platform firm. So this ideation process is something that, you know, when I first knew of what your company was, I forget who in the team we were in touch with however many years back, but you, you're probably unlocking great use cases, you know, way back then. I think it's important for people to bear in mind as, as listeners that, these ideation sessions often facilitated by the platform firm or, or potentially strategy firm, whoever's coming in, can often be kind of part of the jumpstart to actually getting people on the same page, getting to share ideas. So it's not just siloed, oh yeah, put that tech project over there. We're really coming together, getting context on the business, the problems, that necessary osmosis for AI. And then you also brought up an important point, and I want to see if I'm getting this correctly just for kind of nutshelling here that once we can actually use their data to train an algorithm and see some results that are interpretable, now we can start to open our imagination as a subject matter expert, as a business leader, as even an IT guy who's involved in this project as to, oh, that's how we could use this. Man, if that's how it works, I wonder if we could X. Or if, oh, we use that data, well, I wonder if this third-party source that we were thinking about for marketing could actually be pulled in for this model. You know, Then we can start to crack open imagination and and get that shared thinking. So it sounds like you got to have that aha with your crystal ball in the first go to sort of make the imagination open up, if you will. Let me know if that's a correct assumption here. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I would just describe it simply as going from theory to reality. And, yeah. and if there's one thing in AI, there's a lot of theory going there sure around. There sure is. There sure is. You don't really know what it means to them. Yeah. So I, I think that, that that for us, those aha moments, I mean, I, I could tell you our solution teams love those moments where yeah. they Know the the you know, customer churn model. Let's say to the to, to the uh, to the client with the client's data, and it's it's an amazing thing. All yep. of a sudden, AI becomes real. It becomes something that they they yeah. suddenly understand it more. They understand what it can do for their business, and I think that that that's just an amazing moment in, in when we work with our clients. But you know, more importantly for the clients, it's at that point they they really start to digest and understand and and you know, their imagination starts going of where else it could go. Yeah, we've got to hit our ROI for sure. But we've got to open people up to the paradigm here. We've got to open up people to like you said, the cultural elements and the new skills and new considerations about data. And unless we can show something and make it real, why would we invest in improving our data infrastructure for what? But once you understand how much better your risk model could be, if all this stuff wasn't in some gunky silo, now maybe you have some motives to start smoothing out some of your other processes, start bringing on some of the right talent, start maybe investing at a higher level, if I'm hearing it correctly. Yeah. And, and the fact that they could just get started, right? Yeah. They can see something. I think that that's super powerful. And again, start with your current team, start with the data you have, and just but just get started, right? That I think is one of the key sort of elements of this as well. Yeah. Well, and, and as a vendor, obviously, it would make sense for that to be the drum you'd want to beat. But I, I think certainly as, as a you know, writ large, if, if you're a large enough enterprise and AI is nowhere on the table, even I as an objective market research guy would say, well, by golly, you know, let's start to move forward a little bit here and get something going. So we've got a lot of good, I think, crisp take homes for some of the folks. And I think you walking through your process is going to be really interesting for people to think through how could they transform. I think expectations there are strong as well. When we think about any final takeaways from this Beginning small, going big idea. You know, you folks have a big focus here. It's so critical to get enterprises started to, to do this right. 
you know, if, if, if we've got heads of innovation, heads of strategy, you know, department heads tuned in, anything you'd want them to kind of keep in the back of their head about starting small the right way that will actually lead them to bigger transformation, not just to, to a dark corner. Any, any other um, bits of wisdom? That's a big question. Pretty open but, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try. No, look, I, I think it's, again, if you look at the sort of range of companies, if they have just been thinking about AI, right, I think that there, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to get started, right? Yeah. If they have already been investing heavily in AI, I, I would start to expand the sort of the aperture of, of who in their organization can, can use AI and sort of think of different approaches, right? And again, I, I'm not trying to sort of, um, you know, lower the sort of expectation that of what's required to, to do AI adoption. But I think the bar is lower than a lot of people perceive it to be. Yeah, yeah it's cer- certainly lower than, it's, than it was two years ago. I think two years from now, it'll be even lower, especially if, you know, you guys are able to build what you're doing and the other, you know, smart vendors in the space can, can deliver on the promise as well. So good take-home notes. And hopefully for those of you tuned in, this has been a helpful interview. Uh, Pear, I certainly appreciate you being able to share your insights and join us on the show again. Thanks so much. Thank you. So that's all for this episode. A big thank you to Pear for being able to join us on this episode. And thank you to you for listening all the way through to the end. Again, if you'd also like to be able to reach the Emerge audience, you can go to emerj.com slash ad1. And that's where you can learn more about our creative services, whether it's sponsoring podcast episodes, our newsletter, our articles, etc. We're obviously selective about guests and companies we're able to work with. But if you want to see if you might be a fit and if we might have a way for you to be able to reach and engage with the AI community here at Emerge, you can go to emerj.com slash ad1. And if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, if you're just a regular old listener, but you're not actually having us in your inbox, be sure to go to emerge.com. And up at the top right is a button for subscribe. You'll get our newsletter every Tuesday and every Thursday. Interviews, infographics, use cases, or trends, you'll have it right away. So if you're not already a subscriber, please be one of those as well. And thank you again for being a listener. So that's all for this episode. I look forward to catching you in the next episode. You're on the AI and Business Podcast.